I mean, representation matters. I feel like when I was growing up, I mean, I'm, I'm still growing when up. I was but growing when up. I was growing up, I'm like, when I was still okay, in the so last week. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. So like, like yesterday. <laughs> um, no, but I feel like I didn't have a lot of young black girls on TV or like black women in general on TV to where I didn't have anyone to look up to in that realm. So I wanted to just find like people who inspired me just to keep on moving forward to be a part of this because you don't get to see this often. So what were you doing when you were 14 years old? What were you thinking about? What were your dreams? Me? I was dreaming of marrying both Prince and Michael Jackson. I'm not even kidding. Because clearly at that young of an age, I was into polygamy. Um, But I also knew I wanted to be a writer in all seriousness. And everything I've done since that dream first burned in my spirit was about becoming a writer. My guest today had a similar experience in finding her passion. But she discovered her passion way younger than I discovered mine. At five years old, when most of us were still eating glue and crayons, don't act like that was just me. Actress and producer Marseille Martin began her entertainment career, and she joins me next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered. Uh, Marseille Martin, I'm going to start with a personal question. Yeah. And I, lo- I love the look on your face. You look sort of scared. Yeah. All right. You curse? No. Ah, see, because <laughs> your mom is right here. I knew it. No, um, no. Honestly, I was. Uh, my goal is to get through this whole podcast without cursing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because I, despite what people may hear on this podcast, I actually do have some home training, and so yeah. Um, one of those things is that, um, and I don't know where I got this from. It's not as if my mother said this to me because she definitely didn't mind cursing in front of me, but. You know, because I'm respectful of your age, I am not going to swear in front of you because a lot of adults used to swear in front of me and I blame them for why I curse so much. So I am going to try. It's all good. Don't you, you don't even have to try because I want this no, to no, be like I'm a try. regular. Okay. No, I'm going to try really okay, hard. You know, it's, it's up to you. <laughs> it's really hard. But thank you, um, you know, for joining me. I know you have um, a ton of things that you're doing and I'll just give people sort of a quick Resume. I mean, obviously, a lot of people know you from Blackish, mm-hmm. from playing Diane, mm-hmm. uh, which is such an adult name. Yeah, I know, right? It, right? Jack, Diane. I mean, yeah. yeah. Diane was like, <laughs> I imagine somebody's auntie being named Diane. Yeah, definitely an auntie or a grandma. Or a grandma, not like someone uh, who's playing someone as, as young as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, you know, the, the success of, of Little was amazing, which you executive produced. Youngest person in Hollywood to, of course, ever secure a production deal. You have a company, Genius Productions. Uh, obviously appropriate, given that you are a genius. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, what's... I know every day is not the same, but what's sort of a typical day like for you? Mm, I think a typical day would... I mean, shoot. I think just get up. I think around, I would say around 10 or 11-ish. You get to get up at 10 or 11? Well, sometimes. It really depends. (laughs) If I'm I'm waking up at my own time, yes. Yes, But if I am about to go to work somewhere or whatever at that time, it'd be around 7 or 8. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But 
Um, after that, I do my like skin routine, all that. I get dressed, get ready for Wait, the day. Wait, you said a, you have a skin routine? I do, but, but it's it's really quick. Okay, you know? it's really quick because you um, made it sound kind of elaborate. <laughs> yes, I do that first, okay. so I don't have to worry about it at the end of it. Because mm-hmm. sometimes at the end of the day, we'll just start like rushing things, so I don't want to like miss out on that. So I would do that first, and then do the rest of my routine the rest of the day, anyways. But, um, I mean, it's hard to really describe a typical day because every day is so different. I mean, I would say get up, go to the office, be there forever. Get up and go to the office. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And then I guess. Grab some coffee, you know. Well, I mean, water. (laughs) I knew you probably didn't drink coffee. Yeah. I don't drink it often, but it's like, it's very rare for me to really be drained from the day. So I would drink it at that time, but it's very very rare but then after that i would just go home eat then go to sleep then then do it all over again. yeah usually do it all over again until blackish uh starts or anything else i'm doing starts up again so then it's like a different a whole different routine so when you are um doing blackish what are those days like Mm, i mean the, the days are always fun i feel like it's always like um it's always a different day like every single um hour or whatever i feel like it doesn't really matter if I get there at like 5.30 in the morning or like 2 p.m. doesn't matter what time of the day. It's always like a fun time with them, you know, and always with Anthony and Tracy and just the whole cast always seems like a family to where like we always speak our minds or always, um, you know, just do the thing, you know. So um, it's just always comfortable. It's like a comfortable feeling there. And I don't think you get that at a lot of sets. So let's get into your origin um, story a little bit. I know you started extremely young, like five years old. Is that yes. correct? Five years old, right? So um, specifically as it relates to Blackish, how did you land that role? How did I land Blackish? Mm-hmm. How did you land Ugh, Blackish? You know, <clears throat> when when you're like a kid actor or a child actor, you just go on like auditions on auditions on auditions and just it's like that's the routine. But I Blackish was just definitely one of them. I just grabbed a script, then hopped into the audition, not expecting anything back. But literally, um, that was one of the best callbacks because I always thought I could relate to Diane to where like she's the smart, witty girl, but she also has her um differences to where I wanted to um, portray them in a way would be uh, that would be authentic, basically. So when I got the callback, I was like, "Oh my god, this is exciting!" And um, it was just so many callbacks. It was like a good four or five before we went to the screen test. And um, Miles, which is my twin brother on the show, they used to audition us like as a pair. Because since we'd be the twins, they want to see how our chemistry was as twins. And I feel like me and Miles just looked alike the most. And like we were both short. So I think it just made more sense. So um, they actually, well, Miles actually got the job first. And then I was just kind of like nervous. I was like, oh, okay, you know. Um, so then at the screen test, that's when Anthony was in the audition and um, all the executive producers and Kenya. And that was like really the, the like, the, I don't even know, the stressful moment yeah. for me. I were, was you, like, were you nervous at all? Yes. Yeah. I, I was super nervous for that because 
I didn't I never went that far in the process before in auditioning because when I was five I used to do like print work and stuff and then um the more I grew up I would keep on moving with auditions and stuff but it slowly progressed so with blackish I was like oh my gosh like what's a screen test like it's only like three people I'm like what's going on like Miles already got it this dude I don't what so I was really I was really confused and then um and then I went in there and then it was just like very comfortable and very chill and actually funny story Miles actually spilled syrup but it's like it's like a weird thing he spilled syrup on his pants and I also sp uh, spilled syrup on my pants and I thought I made myself more nervous by it but literally we had so so much in common to where it was like so funny we had the same chucks on it was like it was meant to be in a way so then I got the job and then yeah the rest was history so um, when you were uh, starting off with this show, did you have any expectations for success? I mean, did you know right away that this show is really going to resonate with people? Um, no, not at all. I, I feel like in the beginning, it was more of like, because everyone was kind of mad that it was called Blackish. In the beginning, it was like, what is this show? Am I Blackish? And because uh, <laughs> in the beginning, it was only called the Untitled Anthony Anderson Project. So <laughs> very creative. Very, <laughs> yeah, very creative. You know what I'm saying? But um, then when it came to Blackish, when it came to, t to the title, it was more of like, kind of um, controversy around it because we were like one of the first black shows to come back on um, cable or any of that in a long time, you know? So that was just more of, um, I think like not like a reality check to everyone, but it was just like, what is this? Like, why is it called black? It's like very straightforward. But when um, the show actually, the first season actually came up and all the things that um, we started talking about that was like authentic and stuff that a lot of people don't talk about often. People started to like it more about um, just the chemistry and uh, how we present ourselves and how we portray the characters to be an authentic black family um, that does have their like insecurities and flaws and actually go through real time. So um, I think that's what kind of, you know, realized for everyone that it was like oh don't judge a book by its cover you know so I think that's how it grew to where it is now and none of us really knew how big this was going to be of course I didn't because this was my first tv show to where I didn't know what any of this was you know it was my first job I was like hey guys like what's going on you know so I was just taking it this one step at a time but I'm beyond grateful for it to be um such great of a show as it is now and to have it um so pure and so um authentic to its to its true genes, if that makes sense. And now it has spinoffs, Grownish, yeah. Mixedish is coming. Mixedish, <laughs> we is got all the spinoffs. I'm like, oh wow. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it uh, that only is a testament to its success. Um, of course, as you mentioned um, before, that there, um, you know, in terms of black television, it had been a long time before we were actually able to see a show like this. Of course, everybody remembers the Cosby show. We had Martin, uh, Living Single, a bunch of different girlfriends, a bunch of different types of shows. When it comes to the pantheon of like great black shows, um, really great television shows, period. Um, where do you think Blackish kind of ranks in that? Or where do you think Blackish fits in with all from the Jeffersons to all that? I know the Jeffersons came out before you were even a speck in your parents' <laughs> eye. But nevertheless, yeah. um, you know, how do you feel like historically that this show 
um, you know, kind of fits in in terms of the great television shows? Uh, I think it fits in so well. I honestly feel like it has a place in everyone's hearts, like historically wise, because of how long the gap was, to be honest, and how this inspired other black creators to make their own TV shows and make their own stuff. Like, because after Blackish, it was kind of like all these other shows that, um, you know, had representation actually came up. Like, and then there was Atlanta, and then there was Insecure, and then it was all these people that like opened doors, you know, for um, other creators. So I feel like it um, had a permanent place in uh, history for other creators to like keep on moving forward in their ideas and actually have like um, proof, if that makes sense. Like proof like act, this actually happened and this is how successful this is. So why can't I do it like this, you know? So I feel like you always have to have that push to do what you love. And I feel like Blackish was definitely one of them with like anybody. So Well, one thing that um, I definitely noticed, I think with sitcoms, you know, sitcoms period, not just black sitcoms, is that a lot of times... Um, it, particularly as it relates to the child actors, that they do that show, and in some cases they do it for so long that people cannot see them as anything else. Uh, I'm sure wherever Keisha Knight Pulliam goes, they still are calling her Rudy, you yeah. know, um, despite the fact she's done other things, but I don't think she's done anything probably as culturally significant as the Cosby show. So how aware are you of the fact that you want to kind of you don't want people to just see you as Diane for the rest of your acting career. Oh, my gosh. It was such a struggle for a long time, you know, just to get out of the, like, you're the sassy Diane person that everyone knows. Like, you know, and I don't even like the word sassy like that, but that's how they really see you in a way. And that's kind of not how I, like, really portray Diane in that way. So, yeah, I mean, it was like a hard push just to get out of that uh that circle, even though I love playing Diane so much, I wanted it to be more of this is Marseille, you know? So this was more of, um, you know, uh, this was like the starting point to, to where then Little came along to where they didn't see me as Diane. They saw me as like Marseille Martin to where she is from Blackish, but she also is an executive producer and all that to where um, they saw my my the other side of me like they they saw like my true colors to where um they saw me open doors like they don't see me in this spectrum they see me in uh, a bigger one that no one could ever imagine you know so now that they see me as Marseille I just gotta stay in that way you know so I'm just trying to like I said take it one step at a time but um I feel like at the end of the day I'm still I'm still me to where I want to be different types of characters like I'm fine if like I I still answer if people say Diane because who who who's Diane at 14 they just, you know? yeah, they're like Diane yeah like, <laughs> like huh? Diane. I, I still look but um but it has changed lately it has been like Marseille Marseille or oh my gosh she's from Little or oh my gosh she's from Blackish but um I, I actually think it's pretty cool to be honest that like people know me know me from Little now and is bringing a bigger audience to Blackish, or people know me from Blackish that's bringing a bigger audience to Little or anything else that I'm doing. So I feel like either way, I'm still gonna answer to both. <laughs> <laughs> now, Little, um, Little came from you seeing the movie Big, right? Your yes. mom showed that. Uh, 
the movie to you and your mom and your dad uh, hopefully will join us later in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I find out the real truth because you know your parents to tell on you. Just telling you. Right? Um, yes, I <laughs> okay. know that. <laughs> so <laughs> it came from you seeing the movie Big and, and the thought bubble started. When you went in to pitch that idea, was the initial feedback good or did you have to do some convincing because um, of your age and the, and the concept itself? The feedback was definitely good, but it was definitely a process because of my age and because of, I feel like just like a little black girl. I mean, like... Come on, you know, I think that's what they uh, saw. So I had good feedback, but it was definitely a process to get it done because of, um, I guess, what I look like. But when I when we told Kenya, uh, Kenya Barris, which is the creator of Blackish, of course, um, I've been with him for so long. He actually like believed in me to where we actually got in contact with someone who did believe in me also. So it was um, it was pretty easy. To where um, now that I am older, it's kind of easier to go through those doors or go into those doors because they see what I've done. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was a long process. It took three years to get little done. Wow. So, Were you ever frustrated and thinking maybe this isn't going to happen or um, did you ever want to give up? It was like it was like a balance. Um, I knew something was going on with little, but we were so busy on Blackish that it wasn't on my mind like all all the way. I just thought of it as an idea. I had the idea when I was ten, so I was just like, "Well, this is it. So uh, do whatever you want with it," you know. <laughs> so um, I think the more I grew up, it it was like the perfect timing, you know. I thought I was gonna outgrow the age that I wanted it to be. But um, it was like, it was perfect timing. I think, look, God knew what he was doing, you know, so. <laughs> so did you always have Regina Hall and Issa Rae in mind? I always had Regina. I always had Regina Hall in my mind because he, she actually um, came on Blackish as a guest star of uh, Black Nanny. And um, we were actually enemies on Blackish. So it'd be funny if we just were the same person as the enemy. I thought that would be hilarious. And Regina is just so fun to be with. Yeah. Like she's really funny. Like a lot really of people funny. I think they really miss the genius of her comedic talent, but she is hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Her humor is uh so unique to where um a lot of people don't have like the same um comedic timing as Regina, which that's what made me want to work with her more. And she's like that cool auntie to where like she'll hug you, she'll kiss you, like she'll just love on you. Um, well, I mean, if she really likes you, I don't know. <laughs> right, but, I think she's doing that yeah. to perfect strangers. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I love her so much. So it was a, truly a blessing just to be uh, in her presence to where I could work with her in anything that I do now. And then... Um, then I learned about Issa in the process of making Little, and I was. Did just you like, do you watch Insecure? I watched a few episodes okay. of Insecure. Um, I don't think Issa would want me to watch Insecure. I was gonna say, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think Issa would want me to watch Insecure. Right. But um, yes, I do know the backstory behind it and how she created it. But um, knowing that. She like her start and how she is uh, truly an authentic black creator made me want to be with her. Like made me be like, oh, she's like a mentor, like of how I'm doing this and how I'm just getting started. She's definitely one of those people to where like she can guide me. And she's also still young too. So like we can be like that 
big sister, little sister duo. Like, that's what I always thought of her to where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is dope. So I think the last time um, I ran into, you may not remember this. I told you, I was like, the next one you need to see is twins Um, because I could so see you pulling that off because you you pulled off big and twins, of course, which starred uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. I could completely see you running with that. That's a free idea. I don't need I don't need you to put me on a prayer. That's a okay. free idea. That's all yours. They heard it here <laughs> first. So, you know, no, I'm not gonna sue her if she winds up one day uh, making uh sort of the black version of twins. But what I find impressive about it is from the beginning, about little that is, you had it in your mind that you wanted it to be a black female cast. Why was that important to you? I mean, representation matters. I feel like when I was Growing up, I mean, I'm still growing up. When I was up, growing up, I'm like, when I was still okay, in the so womb. Okay, so last week. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. So like, like yesterday. <laughs> um, no, but I feel like I didn't have a lot of young black girls on TV or like black women in general on TV to where I didn't have anyone to look up to in that realm. So I wanted to just find like people who inspired me just to keep on moving forward to be a part of this because you don't get to see this often, you know? A lot of people call Little a um, a remake, which it really isn't. Um, me and Issa call it a reboot to where um, it's like our own story and it's like the modern version of like us to where it doesn't see us in like a sassy snatch wigs, you know, like the snap. I hope you can hear my snap. Can you hear it? Yeah. We got to work on that. Yes, yes. <laughs> but okay. um, the sassy, like, dies in act one type, you know? Because mm-hmm. uh, that's how they really see black women often, just um, the enemy. So I didn't want that to um, resemble in little to where it's, like, um, leaders and people who are striving to um, just be seen, you know? So that's why I want the wanted the meaning meaning to be uh, behind in anything that I do now. So um, now that, you know, you've had the success uh, of Little, um, what does, I know this is probably a difficult question to ask given given your age, but what does success to you look like? Um, what does success to me look like? Um, I don't know. I'm honestly blushing. Do you have that, I mean, do you, <laughs> do you have that feeling of, um, you know, I've made it or no, I actually don't. I, I I really don't because I'm still just me in the beginning or in, at the end of the day. It's just um, I'm still just me, like the 14 year old girl, like loves hanging out with her friends and stuff. So this is just what I do. So I, I don't think I'll ever feel like like I made it like mama I made it. You know, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever feel like that because I. I'm still pushing like every single day just to get where I want to be. And um, I always, I, I think I'll always have goals. Like when I'm reaching so many, I think I'll always have that one goal that I'm always still trying to push every single day. So um, no, I don't, I don't think I feel that yet. Well, um, in, in our profession, we call that a bit of a setup question. Cause I asked you that for a specific reason, because I came across one of your Instagram posts and yes, I did IG stalk you and go through all your posts because that's what prepared interviewers do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the posts that I came across, um, was one uh, that you posted that I thought was quite heartfelt. And and really, it speaks to the level of maturity and self-awareness that you have. 
Um, you titled it Appreciation Post to God. Uh, I sometimes see, this is what you wrote, I sometimes see these types of posts as corny, but this is how I feel, LOL, because everything's better with the LOL, I think. But anyway. Yeah, um, make it heartfelt. Yeah, make it heartfelt. That's right. Sincerity is in the LOL. Yeah. Um, this year has been a roller coaster. This year has been filled with crazy emotions and big blessings that I couldn't even imagine me having. Moments from this year, I was in a dark place, a place I didn't think I was going to get out of. And I see you blushing. I thought I wasn't good enough. <laughs> and I thought I needed to present myself in a way that was quote unquote perfect when I didn't need to. Putting so much pressure on myself, fighting with myself, the feeling had nothing to do with how child actors think. These were my personal thoughts. The more I kept how I was feeling hidden, the more this dark emotion got bigger. I finally talked to my parents, even though they already knew how I was feeling. It made me feel better about myself. A sense of relief. I started praying more, talking more, and spending more time with the people I love. Now I'm feeling the best I've ever felt in a long time. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayers. Thank you, God, for blessing me with the greatest family and friends. I encourage everyone to speak their mind to anyone you trust, even asking a random person, how are you, can mean something. Also, be yourself because no one can be like you other than you. All caps. Very true. Okay, I'm done. Bye. <laughs> so, the dark place. Yeah. What was going on? Oh, the dark place was uh, was crazy, to be honest. I was just, like, depressed like really sad at the moment. I feel like um, a lot of stuff was just going on. I was like very stressed out. I felt like I couldn't, um, I felt like I just wasn't good enough, you know? So uh, basically like what I said in the caption, but uh, it was a lot of just things going on. Was know? this in internal pressure you were putting on yourself? Yes. Okay. Yes. No one was like, like Marseille, you got to do this or Marseille, you got to do that. It was me like actually doing it. It was like, you know, that devil on your shoulder? That was that. Well, um, I think uh, I heard you later kind of describe it as uh, a term I'm very familiar with. And I've talked before candidly about how I felt that way too. Uh, imposter syndrome. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so for people who don't know what that is, is that you could be extremely successful. A lot of great things are happening in your life, but yet you feel as if they either shouldn't be happening or you didn't deserve for them to happen or you just can't wrap your mind around what's happening in real time. Um, was there, is this something that you have also kind of struggled with? Um, yes, mm -hmm. definitely. I feel like, um, I don't know. I think it happens every once in a while to people, but for me, it was just like an ongoing situation. It was like, nothing is like nothing is making me happy i'm like what's going on like you know um i just didn't want to do anything like mm -hmm. if i was at home i just would be locked up in my room you know that like rapunzel type situation you know um i would just like as soon as i get home from work i just run upstairs and just be in my room all day just like in my own circle so it was always like um I was just always into my like myself, you mm -hmm. know. So um, I'm usually not like that. I'm just like that ener energetic. I always want to be with my friends. Like always want to be just a part of something. But at that at that time, I was very antisocial. Mm. So what do you think brought you out of it? Definitely talking. Definitely talking to my parents. It was uh, it was very hard. Yeah. But 
definitely talking to them about something that they already knew. Because, like, you know, my parents were like, like, what's wrong? Like, Marcy, you good? Like, what's wrong? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Nothing. Nothing was, like, one of my biggest words. Like, nothing's wrong. I'm fine. Even though everything was wrong, you know? But I feel like it was, like, one day I was... uh I think it was like in the middle of the night and I would just, I just text them. I was just like, something's wrong. I don't know what's going on, but I feel like dying. You know, that was me. Mm-hmm. So I just talked to them. Oh, well, that's great that you have that level of communication uh, with them to tell them. And, you know, a lot of adults struggle with that. As you, I'm sure they probably told you the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that should be comforting uh, to you as, as well is, um, yeah, that's that's not atypical or unusual um, at all. So with all the, look, I'm grown and I don't have any work-life balance. I don't think I ever have now that I think <laughs> about it. Yeah. But surely there's got to be some things from a self-care standpoint that you do to kind of balance out this crazy life that you have. What what are those things? Uh, I mean, I try to do like the self-care type situation. I, I really do. But I'm trying to get into yoga. I'm trying to get into... Yoga's good. Yeah. I do a lot of yoga. Yeah, I yeah. want to get into um, just get out of the mindset that I'm in just a little bit and just like be in a whole different world. Like literally swimming helps a lot for me. Um, I listen to like music, like like really calming music helps. Uh, I don't know, sleeping, <laughs> like stuff that I usually don't do all the time because mm-hmm. also when I was um, when I was depressed, I would not sleep. I would like be. Like, my mind would always, like, be going, you know? So so I just would, like, always go to sleep with my headphones on now. Like, really, really just trying to keep my mind to be calm in, like, every step of, every step of the way. And then um, always, like, texting, calling people. I feel like, you know, because usually when you're on your phone, a lot of people think that's, like, a bad thing. But for me, I I don't like texting people, but I don't like calling people either. Like, I'm just like... <laughs> so what? Yeah. You, yes. You, okay. You send a raven? Like, no. <laughs> no. But, like, um, you know, just, like, talking to people that I usually don't talk to often that are... So you check in oh, with folks. Yeah, talk, yeah. like, check, ch- checking in. Like, yeah. always... Um, Making sure that the people that are looking out for me, that I'm looking out for them also. So um, that actually helps too. Well, I, I, um, I've struggled with that before where I, it, it was funny because I went through a, a big portion of my life where I never felt any anxiety. And mm-hmm. then the more successful I guess I became, I started to feel more. Um, yeah. And so I have to actively do things to slow my mind down as well. One of my Guilty pleasures I love to do is I watch Young and the Restless. Really? I DVR Young and the Restless, and I watch it every day. I've been watching this show for almost 20 years, and um, it is just mindless television. Wow. Right? And yeah. So find you some mindless TV or whatever. Like, I'm I'm all in on Love and Hip Hop now. My fiance yeah. is like got me hooked on it. So we watch Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. That's like our thing. Wow. So I just love it. I mean, you know, get a little ratchet TV in your life. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That might, <laughs> that's my oh. tip for me to you. Watch Love and Hip Hop and watch Young and the Restless. Okay, I'll that, definitely do that. I appreciate it. <laughs> She's like, you. I'm never doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, well, as I as I mentioned earlier in this podcast that um, I was definitely going to bring your parents in. Yes. So now we found out the truth. We found out about punishments and 
you probably acting up in ways you're not telling us. No, I'm just kidding. I know no. you're not doing that. No. But, but no, I, I think <laughs> it's important because, I mean, your parents are a huge part of your story and you all work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, beyond them just being your parents. So uh, when we come back from the break, we will talk to the wonderful parents of Marseille Martin. So as I teased before we took a break, um, Marseille, we have your parents sitting next to you, Joshua and Carol. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Um, No, I mean, I I think uh, it's important that people, you know, sort of understand the support that you have behind you. And I'm just, from a curiosity standpoint, I'm just curious what this ride has been like uh, for them as well. So... Joshua and Carol, and you you can fight over who goes first. It's been terrible. <laughs> but no, I mean, not just that part, but um, so, you know, four or five years old, you guys made the decision that she was, you holding the Baptist finger up, yeah. Joshua. I got a question. Okay. I want to do this. Are we live on the radio? Are we on the radio? <laughs> you just always want to do that. <laughs> no, we're not. Actually. I thought I was about to do that. Like when you... <laughs> You just, you just wanted to get his, his radio disc jockey on. I got it. Um, but no, I mean, at four or five years old, that you guys decide that, you know, this was going to become a, a career. So how did you see this? Like, I, I don't know. That's not at all what happened. That's she, not what happened. No, okay, no, I got so, the story wrong. No, right. no. So what? So, Correct the story. So what had happened was <laughs> we had this baby who came out. Like, Ooh, why are you starting that far? Oh, yeah, no, because that's what happened. Like, we had this baby, you know, she just was like, she was <laughs> like a little magical hour. being. Like, literally, she just kind of absorbed um, all of this great art. And she would just kind of like, she would just, she would, like, it, it would come out of her pores. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, when she was little, little, like nine months. She could uh, sing along with Ray before she could really speak clear words. And at first, I was like the only one that like was paying attention. Like, no, no, watch her, watch this. And everybody's like, yeah, right. And I'm like, no, no, she's she's singing. Like, like you guys don't hear. Her? And they're like, all right. And then I'm like, okay. And then as she got more, um, she got a little older, and she saw more movies <laughs> then it was just kind of like she would do it with uh dream girls and ray and uh shrek 2 and all these movies so we knew that she had gifts but uh, we lived in dallas so it wasn't anything that we really pursued we were like oh well she's just a great kid with all of these talents and we're gonna go to work doing what we do and she'll just be fun at parties like to you know <laughs> right sing the song or do whatever yeah, kind of like how your parents used to do it, like get up and do that exactly. dance that the young show people them do. how you pop like <laughs> yeah whatever and so. one of the things for us was we know when she started school that she was she was like really quiet you know at school and uh, she didn't have she had only a couple of friends and stuff and I had a friend of mine at work um, uh, when I was working at Verizon wireless tell me that his daughter was taking like an acting class and she took and she was taking an acting class uh for school um and I, that's where i first heard of the acting part of you know like oh kids are out here acting you know i didn't i had no idea about it you know and this is why carol kept just telling us or me about all the amazing things that uh, Marseille was doing when I was at work because I worked in the car business as well. And it was just like, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> so it kind of was like just the energy of everything that was going on, you know. 
And then, um, you know, as... Uh, we went to take some pictures. Yes, we went to go take some pictures at... Uh, we wanted the color isolation. It was for Christmas. Glamour shots. That's what it was Glamour shots. There that's you go. <laughs> Send the checks to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, anyway, so... Um, the photographer there would give her direction and he was like, tilt your head to your left. And she did just ever so subtle, subtle, subtly. And he was like, most kids your age don't know their left from their right or what tilt means. So like you've, you've got something. And he gave us like the contact for an acting class and some agencies in the area to contact. And he literally was like, I'll give you a discount on the package if you guys do something with it. And, and they gave us all the game. Yeah. Like, just literally, it was kind of mm-hmm. meant to be. Like, oh, yes, here you go on a platter. So yeah, I used up all the good toner at work <laughs> and printed out the pictures that they gave us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Invoice me. Uh, Josh took the books and he, I mean, the pictures, and he went to each of the agencies that they had given him. And one of them were like, oh, no, we already have one of these. Like, literally, like, we got a As black a, girl. A black girl. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, we already yeah. have one that looks that like this. Funny. We were like, what? I, I dropped them off at, like, four agencies, and she, they were, that was the funny part. So yeah. the first one didn't, never, we never heard anything from The second one was like, oh, we already have a, a girl that looks like her. And we're looking through the roster, like, oh, you have two black girls, one light skin with curly hair, and another one that. Doesn't they favor don't her. Look but, like her at all, but okay. Okay, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. So that was kind of funny. And then Last we, place. Then we went to Kim Dawson, and they called us back within a week, I think. And then we went in for an interview and took her in to the interview to meet them. Yep. And, and so they sort of knew right away, or or if, you know, it felt that this <laughs> well, they knew you had something. Yeah, they called. They us confirmed in. what you believed. She's little, so she's five. They call us in as a family. And they question her, interview her, and then they kick us out. And we're in the lobby, and time is just ticking by, and we're like, it's 20 minutes have gone by. What are they talking to our five-year-old about for this long? So I get up, and I ask the receptionist. I was like, can like, can we see what's happening? At that same time, one of the agents comes out, and they kind of flag us to come back in the room. She has all of the agents in a conga line, the little tiny Marseille is leading the conga line and they're all in a train like and they're like we want to sign her we're like yeah I guess <laughs> and one guy that was at the end of the, the conga line was like oh like good that they're here because I have a meeting and she's like I didn't say you could leave he gets back in line Marseille do you even remember that I know I don't remember that um I don't remember being that mean to <laughs> dude. <laughs> you were not mean, but you were very you were very direct and you are still this way. When she wants to do something, it doesn't matter. We all have to give her our undivided attention and everybody must participate. Everybody must drop everything and give their undivided attention. So at what point did you all decide that moving to Los Angeles was the right thing to do? So when we got signed with Kim Dawson, she started over at this uh, acting agency. Um, And, you know, I I worked every day. Carol worked every day. And, you know, we didn't understand how this acting thing works. They sent out the schedule and each class was like three hundred and fifty dollars or four hundred dollars a class. Well, the class only lasts a week. So when the schedule came out, because there's so many people trying to get into this lady's class, all the classes would fill up for the whole summer. 
So they were spending thousands of dollars on these classes. Like the next, you had to, there was leveling. Yeah. Level, you had to level up in the next class after you completed one. Well, um, we didn't know that. So we got one class. And, and we're black parents. So we were like, <laughs> what in the hell? Like, like $350. That's crazy. That's half red. You better, you better be damned in hell. Maybe Angela Bassett. Angela yeah. Bassett. Yeah. Right. It was like, crazy. So, uh, they, you know, we was like, well, we could do this one. We did this one thing, class, and you then, better get all you can get out of that. <laughs> which, with the, in that class, and that class happened to be really crucial to her, her journey. Yeah, her journey because yeah. that one class, which is first class, was called acting for film, and she they taught her how not to look at the camera. Yeah, that was really it. She couldn't read, so they would give her the sides. She was little, so like her sides would be upside down, the staples at the bottom. There was a two way mirror where we could watch into the class, and all the other kids are like reading and things, and she's just sitting there with this paper, like looking like I'm just copying what these other kids are doing. I don't but, know how I got here, <laughs> <laughs> but she got it. Yeah, she got what she, she got needed it out of that class. Yeah, she had her natural abilities, and at the end of that class, they had a seminar where they brought agents from um, LA. And some local agents as well, which she was already Which was funny to. in its own self because the lady, because she only completed one class and the class was a week, the seminar was in two weeks. And the seminar was another $350 where they brought the agents down. Right. But we were, she was like, oh, no, Marseille is it's not It sounded like a Ponzi this. scheme. Oh, <laughs> but no, no, actually, no honestly, really? most so, of the talent that were on the Disney Channel at the time had come came out of the Jonas yes. Brothers. Yes. It, was Jonas, like, so, it was like Selena Gomez, Miley Cyrus. All, yeah, yeah, Lovato, all of them. Yeah, all, all the Texas. Disney kids yeah. came out of the same place. Cody Lindley. So it definitely yeah. was worth it and there was value to it. But for us black parents that worked every day, it, it was like another $350. Hmm, okay. Yeah. But literally the teacher was like, um, yeah, she was she's like, not she's ready. not she's ready. Only she's class. only had one class. And, and she was like, there's her, no need for you to come intern. do this showcase. You know what I mean? So we went to the, uh, we were like, well, we wanted to see what these talented kids were supposed to look and sound like. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we're just, we're just gonna do it yeah. anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> we just wanted to see. So we ended up signing her up for the class, I mean the seminar, and uh, it was about 60 kids at the seminar and um, <laughs> and they, uh, at the end of the seminar, they end up taking one no, two. two. One, yeah, so it was built in like the, the lower kids and the upper kids. Out of the whole seminar, one of the upper class got chosen to have local representation in Dallas. Which was Kim Dawson, who she was Where she was already with. signed. She was the only person in that class that got California, L.A. representation. Yeah, they, who was not ready to, you know, yeah, and they so. told us. The don't one that do had it. the script upside down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, yeah, I don't know how that happened, to be honest. But I do remember from what I, well, what my mind says, what I do remember was I was the last kid in yeah, the, in the whole watched. seminar. Um, they did ask us like if you wanted to go first or you wanted to go next or whatever, but I decided to go last because I'm always like one of those people. I never want to go first, you know. I always want to see what it looks like and then I'll go so I can get a good um a good feeling of what it would look like and what I would be acting like. So I was one of the last kids and I was actually shocked myself. But um, she definitely was the so, last one. So out of all the kids, she watched all of them make their mistakes. She got all their notes yeah. and all that. So when she la when she went last, she just killed it. She killed it. Yeah. And they literally walked out like in the middle of her uh, 
her a, a performance, and they're like, they want her. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. What is what what does that mean? They want who wants her? But well, it seemed like yeah. she was mad to tell us that. Yeah, too. it she was, was really like hello. Well, because <laughs> she had given you the advice. Yeah, she, she was like, like she you weren't supposed to right. make it yeah, that far. Yeah. So. And literally, um, the LA agent called, and I was working home base for American Airlines. Shout out, whatever. Anyway, I was literally <laughs> Y'all on get a some product mentions on here. Verizon, <laughs> American Airlines. Okay, Dallas for you, but. Uh, so I'm on a call, like doing a reservation, and my cell phone rings, and it's the agent. So I'm like, I mute the person there telling me where they want to go and what ticket they want to buy. And I'm like, Hello? Probably sent them to like Timbuktu I, somewhere, right? right? They went to Dubai that day. No, but uh, <laughs> um, took the call. She was very, very complimentary. And, the LA agent. Yes. And explained what our next steps would be and actually told us like, you know, we can do this where you submit tapes or whatever. And so you guys are good there. But if she was here in L.A. So we kept submitting tapes for a couple, about a year, year and a half. Uh, still wasn't hitting uh, because, you know, L.A. was a big move. So then one day we, you know, uh, we came down to visit her dad for, was that Thanksgiving? Somewhere in there probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think we came down to visit her dad. And then we stopped by to talk to the agent at the time. And they were like, look. Just get here. You know what I mean? So we went all the way back home. We talked about it. And then we. Oh, no. My grandmother also basically told us, like, you're going to move and watch what happens within a year. Because her grandma was living with us. Yeah. She was our. While we were working at all these places we named, my grandmother was her uh, child care provider. Yes. Because, you know, in Texas, it's way cheaper than anything else. So we just (laughs) had this house filled with all of our family trees. (laughs) You know, it was Same. like, no, no, I'm saying like it was um, it was like a big family like yeah. reunion thing every single day at our house. So it'd be like my grandma, um, my mom's side, my grandma, my dad's side, and then it'd be my uncle, then it'd be that, and then we'd just go back and forth. Like our house was like the helping hand house, you know? <laughs> so like, you know, like not, not to get off a topic, yeah, but yeah. like um, that was just like our family like every single day, like, you know, come downstairs. Wheel of Fortune would be on with my grandma or Lee <laughs> just course. sitting down there, you know? But um, she was always, like, the wise person of the house. So um, so grandma yeah, predicted a year. She did. Yeah. She, like, she was actually, she was going through breast cancer treatments at the time. Mm. And literally, she prophesied, like, what was going to happen for us. She was like, I'm leaving. Literally, this is what she said. And she, was, she meant she was passing. I'm leaving. And you guys are going to end up back in L.A. and watch what happens within a year. And we didn't take that lightly. We were like, oh, okay. And as we got the feedback from the agency, uh, Josh and I both had, we had met here. He lived in Carson. I lived in Anaheim. So it wasn't an outlandish move for us. So we talked about it and he uh, checked with his job to see if there were any openings for a transfer. And once that kind of became an option for us, we sat down as a family and just kind of talked through it which is the way that we still do things. You know, people are like, you allow her to be a part of that huge decision? We're like, absolutely. You know, now the answer is still whatever we come up with because we're parents, but we we 100% get her input and feedback because, you know, that's not the way our parents were. You just, whatever the hell they decided is what happened. If you, if dad got a job and moved to Jamaica, we all just got up and that's what happened. But For her, you know, eventually different. she's going to take all this over. 
Right. So she has to understand this business and what she's dealing with and who she's dealing with. And the only way we can kind of do it is when we run into situations, we have to explain to her what they are and also give her the power to use her voice, you know, to make some of these decisions because... If she doesn't, you know what I mean. When she gets, when she eventually has to take it over, if something was to ever happen to us, and she had to do it sooner than later, she wouldn't really understand. Right. And that's to keep her to help her protect herself. So, yeah. for you all, what has been the biggest adjustment um, as her profile has exploded and um, as she gets increasingly more famous? My, for me, her, for both of you. Oh yeah, she's the biggest adjustment. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, because you know she's, I, she's 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 fourteen. You know she's about to be fifteen. So we when we started this, she was you know five, and then when we moved out here for black, she was nine. So she was still young. You know what I mean? But now she's grown into a young adult. So you know her wants and needs are changing. You know, so you know when we and attitude and, and Ooh. That too. Uh-oh. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, we you know it's just so she's the biggest adjustment. So we have to. Adjust just things to how she's growing, yeah. you know, and what she used to like yesterday, she don't like today, right. you know, because she's now a young lady, not, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, not her, a little girl, not right. still a little girl, but not right. as yeah. little, right. yeah. you know, no I mean, pun intended. She's not my little baby anymore, you know, so she's a, a young, a young, you know, she's growing into a young lady. So, um, we have to make sure that, you know, even with all this, that she still gets, she still stays grounded. She gets what she needs from home. She gets what she needs from family, you know, and she's able to tell the difference between uh, um, friendly and friends, you know what I mean? Um, And, you know, so those are, you know, (laughs) those are the things that, you know, we have to adjust to and teach, you know, um, because a lot of her friends and when she got here were doing the same thing she's doing, you know what I mean? And when you guys are all on the same playing field, then one of you guys starts to level up a little bit. Sometimes attitudes change, people change, you know, so you have to be able to pay attention to what's going on around you and not, you know, don't mute yourself because you feel like you're doing, yeah, don't dim your light because you feel like, you know, because your friends aren't doing what they, you know, what you're doing. You know? Yeah. So. so what are you guys going to do um, when the dreaded B word starts entering the picture as in boys? Uh, boys. You mean like <laughs> an actual boy, like show up at our house? Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> there's, there's, there's crushes, but there's, it's, I think that we just prepare her. There are crushes. I'm very vocal to them about, like, anything that happens to now. Like, I used to be very isolated and stuff, but now I'm slowly progressing to talk to them more at the right time, you know? I, sometimes I don't want, like, like, long conversations, but... Yeah, the I car rides. Like, ride. the car rides be vicious, but... <laughs> What is happening in these car rides? No, no, no. Like, you know, like a long talk. You know those yeah, long, talks, long talks, you know? Okay. But, um, no, I'm very vocal of, like, whatever. And I'm I'm honestly don't... I'm not into boys that much. Good. Yeah, like, I'm They're not... They're stupid. You know? <laughs> Look, like, I mean, hey, present hey, company hey, included. Hey, my bad. Hey, hey, my bad, hey, Josh. Hey. But, um, but, no, I'll let them, I'll let them answer that. But, you know. So, you, the, the answer to that is you don't have crushes. Is that I, what you... No, is I that, do. I do, do have crushes, okay. but not as many as, like, other girls would have. They'd be like, oh, you know, oh, this person's fine or whatever. Is that how they sound? And then, no, but then, like, <laughs> the next, the next week, it's just, like, someone different. I'm not right. like that. It's more of, like... I would like this dude for about like three years. 
And then, like, you know, it's, like, always that dedication. You know, like, something like that to where, like, it's, I. (laughs) But she's an old soul. Yeah, I'm an old soul, so I'm not one of those people. This dude, I'm like, yeah, but you're 11 and he's 19. (laughs) So she did meet her crushes, but it was at at a press event. Oh, okay. Entertainment Tonight and cameras were there. So that was a whole thing. Who was your crush? Okay, my crush was... (laughs) <laughs> Don't get all shallow yeah, now. Yeah. You, you we all admitted. We've all admitted. Okay, yeah, were. my uh, okay. I'm not gonna say who, but my crush were the the Dolan twins, which are YouTubers, and um, were they are still they YouTubers. they well they yeah they they are still YouTubers, but they um, were as her crush. They were, they were crush. my crush. Oh, and then so it's um, changed, and then it, it kind of changed, but um, not for like a bad reason or whatever. But it just kind of like she met I just them. had to, I just That's had to, I just happened. met them. You yeah. know, I just met them. Like, I got to know now them. Now it's over, <laughs> which is really hilarious because everybody that she's uh, all the the young boys that she's had a crush on. She's actually met, met them and, and then yeah. all of a sudden, yeah, I don't yeah, like It better as a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's Trust not, me, it's that not doesn't change. <laughs> they're 19. It's, it's, they're 20 this year. It ain't going to work out. I'm sorry. It's just ain't. I'm just, I just got to, you know, go. just got to let it go. Someone will come like at 30, you know? <laughs> Never know. You can wait until 30. Jeez. No, I don't know. It's up to y'all. Well, look at this. Yes, it is up to me. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It you is up run to with me. that. Remember Those that. Words. Run with and that. It is, remember that. It is right. on record now. Sorry. <laughs> now, now, as I mentioned before, you all work together at, at Genius. Yes. So, how do you separate the the family from the from the business? No, we don't. We don't. You don't. We, we just no. We really, we really don't. We bring our home drama to work. No, we don't. No, okay. <laughs> right. we don't do. But um, you know, we just each kind of cover different things. So, like. I'm the day-to-day with her on, um, you know, work stuff. We travel a lot. He does a lot of the business side of it. I mean, we're on the business side, too, but, like, when she's working, this is just kind of the way that we divide it up. And then when we leave and we punch our clock and we go on, then that's A lot of it, we st- it still goes home with us because... It's big decisions, you yeah. know what I mean? You're probably so, constantly talking. Yeah, we got to yeah. talk it out. You know, yeah. if we don't talk it out, we can make the wrong step, you know. So, and a lot of the stuff we do is really strategic, you know. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I react very uh, <laughs> hastily and they have to bring me down a little. Like, come on, come back, come back. Yeah. Don't jump too quick. Hey, <laughs> you now know? it's on record. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you admitted it. Yep. Yeah. I won't need a copy of this, please. <laughs> yeah. no, so, but, you yeah. know, I, I do. I'm that guy. But, you know. Hey, it man. comes with the job. Yeah, yeah but yeah. there's also like a method to the madness. You guys both mentioned that you obviously you try to keep Marseille grounded. Uh. Um, clearly with these projects, you're not working for free. Um, as in you, young lady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So, you know, you're making your own money. So uh, do you allow her to make big purchases? Yes. Yeah. Within okay. reason. But here's what's funny. He's a little bit more extravagant, Josh is, than I am. I'm a little more practical. And it's funny to see the inner like turmoil when she's like, I really want this. And then she's like, oh, wait. But you Mom can afford like, it. Just, baby, that's not practical. Dad is like, get that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, can't, wait, I want to yes, tell something. Paris. So, w- yes, when we were in Paris, um, it was my first time in Paris. I just thought that was a big, expensive trip in itself. Yeah. So I that's wasn't, the first level of stunt. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> but I wasn't trying to buy anything um, 
like big. Oh, she was freaking out. But yeah. um, but me and my dad are both like somewhat materialistic. So somewhat. Yeah. Well, we're bit we're both we're somewhat we're, is confined. You don't. Yes, have to go we're very materialistic. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> All but good. Wait, 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 wait. We can't talk over each other, guys. But um, so we're at this Fendi store, right? And I this is my first Fendi product, right? Not my first Fendi box, but this is my Fendi purse right here. They she is holding it, up a bag for yes. those listening. Yes. Um, <laughs> Very nice one, too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So there is this, like, bomber jacket, this white bomber jacket that had, like, Fendi, like, white Fendi prints on it. And I loved it so much. And it was, like... Leather. It was leather. But it was very um, it was very oversized. And I'm that, like, oversized tomboy type person. That's just me. But... Um, Literally, I was like, this is amazing. And so is this purse. I'm like, I, I like it and I want it. But my parents are my parents are kind of like, well, if you want it, like, I don't care. Like, hey, we, we good. So I'm like, okay. So I, I try it on. And the dude tells me it's like the bomber jacket itself, it's $5,000. I'm just like. Oh my! Does it God. come with an actual airplane? Just I know. I'm like, I'm like, oh my God! It's like this is this is okay, the, just for the bomber jacket. And then the purse is another two thousand dollars. I'm just like, oh wow, cool. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't do good with white, so like if I I can't wear it anywhere like a lot of times because usually when I um, buy like expensive stuff like that I kind of wear it like casually like sometimes it really depends something you'll get some wear out of yeah okay. yeah so I'm like oh this is this is a lot so my hands are literally shaking I'm like my hands are shaking. shaking my I'm sweating and my dad is like what's wrong with you I'm <laughs> like I just I, I, I want it but I don't want to buy it I'm like this is a lot you know so usually I'm able to like ask like someone if I could borrow it or like if I can have it like uh, I can do that with Gucci. <laughs> if I can have yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, if I can have it, like if uh, Funny, that never works like, for me. Yeah, I can do that um, with. Um, gotta teach me no. that. I could, I could just, I could just try it. You know, I could yeah. do it with uh, some people. Right. But with this, I'm like, I'm right here. I'm gonna buy it, or I'm just gonna leave with nothing for pairs. You know, so I'm just like, okay, I'm not gonna get it. But literally, I, I'm just not. But me, like, well, I don't know. With me growing up, I just try to be as safe as possible with money and just try, like, to splurge out when it's the most appropriate times, I feel like. And, of course, like, they help me out. Like, my mom is, like, a super geek to where, like, she is, like, the math queen and, like, knows everything about math. Um, So, like, if I don't know, like, a simple question, it'd be like, dog. Like, come on. Like, really? (laughs) So it's like, that's that's mom. And then dad is kind of, like, with me just, like, uh, you know, but it's like, Jeez, that not, just made me no, sound like. But but no, not like not like that. But it was more like um, I we have a balance, you know. Yes, right. So it's it's um kind of hard to make decisions like that sometimes because you know like I'm still trying to get through money. I'm just trying to like learn money every now and then, but it's kind of hard to because I'm still in school. So I'm just like, ah, oh, this is crazy. So. With that being so, said, I didn't get the bomber jacket. Right. I just so, got the purse. <laughs> right. So, first up, for in my defense, you know, and I'm only saying this because she doesn't buy a lot of stuff no. at all. It's no. like she doesn't really. So she likes doing like going to trips and yeah. taking like getting like a, a you know going swimming. You know, she yeah. might buy some tennis shoes. So she doesn't splurge she doesn't on big splurge things like at most all. People so when she wanted it. 
You know what I mean? She was. You can literally see her hands really yeah. shaking, like <laughs> when the guy told her how she much it cost. But I was like, you don't spend that type of money on anything. So if you want it and you really want it, get it. It's like weird, but like I'm, I want to shop like I don't have that money. You know, like mm. not yet. You know, but um, I just I want to keep the same like balance for as long as I like grow up and have like when the money like currently increases. Hopefully, it's just like okay. Um, I could do this or I could do that. But you know what? You know what kind of irritates me all the time? I don't really look at comments, but when I do, it's like, oh, she likes expensive stuff or, oh, her parents, like, take over her money just to buy this. I'm like, it's so it's so annoying, but that's literally not us that's at all. That's people's perceptions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's like people's and perceptions. stereotypes of, yeah. Of, yeah. of how this works. You guys are a vibrant family. Um <laughs> And uh, it really is a pleasure to sit down and, and talk to all of you guys. And, um, you know, it feels weird to say much success because you've had a lot of success. <laughs> but um, but good luck with everything. And, um, you know, I think started. what. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. just really getting started. <laughs> and um, you guys have been um, are amazing parents. And uh, I have no yeah. doubt that you have so many things in your future that you can't. Um, you know, probably possibly even contemplate. So I have thoroughly enjoyed this. And you're the youngest person to ever be on this podcast. Oh, for yeah. real? I doubt if I break that record. So I, I think that <laughs> oh, will stand yay. in the podcast history. So, okay. so Jamil, do you want to do scripted TV? Oh, let's see. We, let's talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. um, but one request. I need you to cover your ears, Marseille. If it's cursing, then I've heard it before. I know you have, but just to make me feel better. So as people who regularly listen to this podcast know, you know what the final segment is. Fucking I'm Bothered is next. So it's kind of fitting that today's podcast featured the youngest guest that I've ever had because I'm about to talk about some old shit. Now, it's possible that by the time this podcast airs, this new trend on social media I'm about to discuss will have hopefully died a slow, painful, excruciating death. But fuck it. I'm so bothered. I'm going to talk about it anyway. So everybody is doing this face app challenge thingamajiggy bullshit where it makes you look really old. Yeah, that's it. That's the gist of it. It's some kind of aging software, which, by the way, is owned by a Russian company. Just thought I'd throw that out there. And what you do is you just make yourself look really old. It projects what you would look like as an old person. That's not the part of it that bothers me. First, but let me say this. I don't know how accurate this aging software is. But I hope for you guys' sake that it isn't as accurate as you guys seem to think it is. Because one, a lot of y'all look like you've been rode hard and put away wet. And two, some of y'all are finding out that despite all that Botox, eating 45-day-old seaweed and wearing weed from a sea lion, that's not going to stop the fact that the more majority of y'all look like Steven from Django. Uh, sorry, Benjamin Buttons just is not in your testimony. Besides, as far as I know, the only person beating Father Time is Morgan Freeman because he's the only human being who came into this world already eligible for Social Security. 
but I'm bothered because y'all are scaring the shit out of me with your old CGI generated ass faces. I'm scrolling my timeline and my man Common, who also was a guest on this podcast, uh, he looked like he belonged on a box of rice. My friend Stuart out of Orlando, he sent me what my face would look like as an old person and I almost blocked his ass and reported him as spam. People, I don't want to see this shit. Remember when we were younger and all of us were in such a rush to get older, we wanted to be grown, then we got grown and realized that shit was way overrated because bills, because credit reports, because kids, because mortgages, because taxes. So fuck being in a rush to see what I look like when I'm 102 years old. Enjoy being 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever you are. And of course, stay unbothered. Jamel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify Studios and Unbothered Inc. and recorded and edited by Rich Burner and Cadence 13. Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent. Evan Dick is our executive producer. Jesse Burton is the executive producer for Spotify. And Denise Holly is the program manager. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. 